So hi, welcome to Good Noise Podcast. We're here with Jake from Sleep On It. We're going to ask him some questions today. I'm going to start. What inspired you to start the band? When did the band start? So <laughs> it, the idea of it started in 2012, but I don't think we really got off the ground until 2013. Um, I, so I started the band um, in 2013, and I met Luca, our current drummer, in late 2012 through a mutual friend um and i had met tj our current other guitarist at riot fest 2012 earlier that that year september mm-hmm. um and we had just talked about music we hadn't talked about jamming or anything but then once i got luca on drums that's when i was like oh i can actually have a band now <laughs> because <laughs> without a drummer you're not really a band so yeah um at the t- we had some different lineup things like obviously our uh we had a different lead singer for the first few years we were in a band uh, zach didn't join until 2016 uh and so we had an old, our old lead singer his name was john he was my best friend at the time uh but i met luca and then tj and then in early um 2013 about march is when we solidified like our first full official lineup uh, and started playing shows and recording demos and stuff like that. So 2013 is kind of when it all started. Obviously, the band kind of had like a, a relaunch in 2015, 2016, when Zach joined the band, new singer. That's when like the, you know, we got signed and stuff like that. But the, the band officially started as Sleep On It as with a full lot with a full lineup getting recording new like song original material in 2013. Okay. Wow. And um, what does the band name mean? while we're on the topic um, of yeah of course yeah it's it's really simple like it's that there's nothing fancy or super sentimental about it um being so i went to school for arts entertainment media management at columbia college chicago and i knew how important a band name was and, mm-hmm. and in fact um my earlier bands in my music career uh people always told me how bad our band name was so when i was like i'm starting a new project the band name's got to be good so I had like a list of like 40 different names and uh, you know, the guy, at the, you know, it was, it was about when we were, you know, getting the band really off the ground, the full lineup and solidified. We're like, we don't have a name. Like we need a name. If we're going to do anything. Mm-hmm. And the guys were pressuring me. Like we need to, we need to come up with something. If we're going to, you know, we had booked studio time. We hadn't done it yet. We need a name if we're going to be a band. So I had this big list. And um, I wrote as a note to myself to sleep on it. I'm not kidding. It's that simple. Like, wow. it's really, that's what I did. It was like a note to myself to, to like, look, you know, look at these names, think about it, sleep on it. And then I looked the next day on my notepad and I looked at the note to myself and I was like, that's a better band name than any of the names I had written down. Yeah. Um, I then went to Google and cross-referenced it. And I didn't get any results. No one had it yet. And I was like, this is great. Like, this is a great name. Like, I should, like, let, let's just run with this. And I brought it to practice. And the guys were like, yeah, that's awesome. And then it, that's the rest is history, I suppose. Okay. Um, yeah, it's really simple. It's not too, super exciting. But it is kind of quirky in the fact that I didn't actually ever intend it to be the band name. It was more of a note to self. Mm-hmm. So it was but, just kind of oh. like a spur of the moment thing. You're like, this fits. Yeah, it was literally something I wrote down to myself right before bed and then i woke up the next day and i was like that's cool <laughs> <laughs> right. happy accident i suppose yeah. yeah yeah do you remember any of the other names i know it was like a long time ago but do you remember any of the other names that were on the list for um, band names? yeah so funny enough i had against the current written down oh, oh. <laughs> before against the current was a band because they weren't a band in 2013 yeah um but I had it written down. It was on the list. Um, if I booted up one of my old phones, which I still have, I think I could find the full list, which maybe I'll do just for fun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I knew against the current was on there because later I saw her that you know the project got launched, and I was like, oh my god, I had that written down like on yeah. the list. Um, and I also had um, Overcast as a name. Which I still actually really like, and we almost nearly picked it, but I thought Sleep on It was a better name. And mm-hmm. in, in retrospect, I think it still is. But o- Overcast always sounded like a really cool band name. Um, but I definitely like got that from Ball Boy, like the Overcast Kids, like their fan club. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want people to think 
well, I don't know, that we were like a Fall Boy cover band or something like that. Yes. So that's sort of what steered me against that name, though I still think that name is really cool. And I've thought about starting a, pro- a side project it's called Overcast before, but that's neither here nor there. But yeah, I knew Against the Current, Overcast were both on the list. There was probably some just garbage, awful names on there too, because I was just writing it down while I was riding the train, like different, anything that popped my head, I'd just write down names. Yeah. Some of them were terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The, like dead scene bands from 2009 like it wasn't oh <laughs> <laughs> right. i'm glad you settled on a sleep on it because like yeah me too yeah, yeah it's such not a some, sick like, name not some yeah, edgy i'm also glad i settled on sleep on it yeah, yeah. not some like edgy 2006-esque oh, yeah. name <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really that's not the case yeah. <laughs> so uh what is your writing process like it varies so a lot of people ask us about that um some songs we write all together, like we're, we're in a, well, we have a practice space now, but for a while we practiced in my basement um, and we would just, you know, start practicing and, you know, if someone had a riff or a part or even a, even a, like a vocal or something, we would, you know, sort of be like, if we really liked it, we'd just start sort of building it block by block, you know, if we, all we had was one chord progression we'd see if that was like a verse, a chorus, or a bridge, and then sort of build off of that part. Um, that's sort of how the song See You Around started. I was mm-hmm. kind of noodling with that, the main like intro guitar part, and TJ liked it, and then we just started building the song from like the ground up, basically. It just like started with that one part, and then it became a whole song. Other times, it's the complete opposite. Sometimes TJ, Zach, or I will write a song or you know, or a, a, a swath of a song, uh, and then bring it to practice, and we'll play through it as they did it on a demo, or as they wrote it, like just by themselves, mm-hmm. and then we'll sort of like fill in the gaps. You know, yeah. it's a lot of. It's very rare that we call, anyone comes to practice with a full song. It's, okay, uh, writing is challenging. It's not easy to write a full electric song by yourself. Um, yeah, so a lot of times it's like a partial song or you know or i just i did this just to get the idea down mm-hmm. nothing super crazy so, but you know some songs um uh, are already sort of fleshed out sort of like um our our one of our newer songs babe ruth from our new album tj had that song pretty much already there mm-hmm. and then brought it to practice and we just sort of polished it you know what i mean yeah it was like we add obviously things were vocals and, and you know, all sorts of leads and stuff like that. But like the structure of the song was already done when we got, when we got it, which is cool. That's that sometimes makes it easier, but it also isn't as fun. Sometimes collaborating is really the fun in writing and creating music. But if it's a good song, it's a good song. We were, we were like, Oh my God, this song's already great. Like we already like it. So mm-hmm. sometimes it's not about, you know, complete and utter collaboration. If you think the music is great, like you know, on its own merit. So it, yeah. it can vary greatly. And then there's some songs that we, we've we done co-writes with. We, we wrote some songs with Mike Green, who works with like All Time Low and A Day to Remember, Pierce the Veil. Um, and then we've written some songs. We wrote a song with Will uh, from Cartel. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, we, you know, we've, we've dabbled in some other songwriting where it's, we're not even using, we'll we'll bring in one idea and then they help us flesh that idea out yeah and our producers too uh kyle black who worked on our last record seth henderson on the record before that they also have a lot of songwriting input uh we had uh our ep and our first record uh produced and co- and some and somewhat co-written by derek Descanio from state champs so he also helped us write and structure some songs on some of our older uh material so it's it, it, it entirely depends on the song and the situation sometimes you don't you have you think you have the entire song the way you want it and then you get in the studio to record it and it becomes something completely different mm-hmm. it's, yeah it's very there's a lot of variable <laughs> well, that makes sense right. plenty yeah. of sense so so how do you feel about the reception to your new to your newest single stay at home cool um yeah so the funny thing about the song is it's a joke you know it's not really oh, like <laughs> It's not, it's not, we never meant it to be a serious song, Uh right? It has, it has joke lyrics. If you look at the lyrics of the song, it's, they're not serious, um, but it was done for fun. So Sleep On It had, we share a 
practice, like we have a practice space at this place in Chicago. It's a big practice space facility. Um, and there's studios in that same facility. So bands practice there, but there's also studios there. So we had a close friend of ours, uh, Mark McCluskey, who mixed uh, Pride and Disaster. He has a studio there. And he was like, all my projects for the last three months canceled because of coronavirus. Do you guys want to come in and do a joke song? And we're like, well, we don't really have anything to lose. You know, like there's yeah. nothing, there's nothing like, like he, he cut us like a, you know, a good deal. And it was, you know, obviously it's a short song. It didn't take very long. It's also a simple song. It didn't take a lot of time. Made. Yeah. So um, considering that, that we didn't do it as like a serious thing, just sort of like, fun to do it that's we also had fun with our music video like we did a, a very silly light-hearted music video at the same time uh, I think it's great I think people enjoy it for what it is and it's not meant to be some sort of mind-blowing you know uh concept song or anything like that it's just mm-hmm. just for fun sometimes music doesn't have to be serious yeah uh, so I, yeah I think people people really liked it they you know responded well to it when we posted it obviously it's not gonna be our most streamed song of all time or anything like mm-hmm. that but it's a uh, it's it's a fun little addition to our discography. Mm-hmm. It definitely is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so where was your headspace at then? Just like writing a joke song, having fun. Yeah, I mean, so it was it was at the suggestion of Mark McCluskey. Mark McCluskey was like, um, while we're here, you know, like you guys should just do a quarantine song. Like no one's really doing that, or like you know, at the time when he suggested, I don't think that many bands had done it. Um, and he was like, you guys should do it. You know, it. You, you have literally nothing to lose by doing it. Yeah. Um, so just do it. And we were like, okay. <laughs> you know, it was just like, sure, like, fine. So yeah. TJ wrote um, a good amount of that song. And yeah, just sort of flushed it out real quick. I think it was recorded in like a day. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, just one day. Um, and yeah, people liked it. So it's, it's cool. It wasn't, we didn't overthink it, is yeah. what I'm saying. Like, it was just sort of like, just have fun with it. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. So what is it like putting out a song in quarantine, like with the whole current world situation? Um, it's weird. Like you don't know. Um, so streaming numbers are down across the board because people aren't commuting and traveling uh-huh. like they were pre-corona. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so all our monthly listeners have dipped, but I think most artists have. Um, and I think, you know, it's weird because people don't have a concept of time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or at least people that aren't working don't. I certainly don't. I don't know what day Same. Friday is anymore. You know, it's today. It's Monday, I think, right? Yeah. It's not yeah, Tuesday. I think so. so Wait, it's Monday? Monday? Yeah. Yeah. Monday. Yep. Oh, wow. It is? Yeah, see, exactly. None of us know yeah. what day. <laughs> so New Music Friday is, like, kind of weird because, it's like, you're not even, you know, usually, like, when I'm working and, you know, living life normally, like, New Music Friday is like a thing. I'll make sure I check my Spotify playlist, see whatever songs come out. But like people just kind of are skimming over it because they're not commuting. Play, the, the, the most common times people listen to music are obviously at shows. And then when they're commuting, commuting is music time for most people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like if people aren't going to work, they're not going to listen to music as much. So it's like it definitely like shows and how many streams and like playlisting and i think a lot of the world you know the music industry has been put on a sort of a a half pause button so it's like getting people to even like even the coverage on the song coming out was kind of low for you know and but that's been across the board i haven't seen a whole lot of music news unless it's really really big big artists or pertaining to venues opening or corona or stuff like that so it's yeah it kind of got you know swept under the rug but that's to be expected to a degree because um, I think people just aren't paying as much attention. They don't have their norm, their norma- the normalness of their lives uh, to keep them sort of on track with new music coming out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the whole numbers simple. thing shocks me, though, because like I know at least between the three of us, we've been listening to more music since we were able mm-hmm. to be inside just because there's nothing else to do. Yeah, I think that's and that's awesome. And I love that. And I, <laughs> I am certainly not part of the person, the swath of humanity that's listening to less music. But I think we're talking about your average Joe. Mm-hmm. I think music yeah. is uh, a placeholder for a lot of people. They're not necessarily like actively listening to music all the time, but they listen to music when they travel to and from work in the car or on the train, yeah. um, you know, and then maybe a little bit at night, but mm-hmm. like, or when they cook or something. Mm-hmm. But like, other than that, 
I think people are replacing music with screen time. You know, I think people are watching more stuff than listening. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. So I think that's why music streaming numbers are down overall. But, you know, there's always, you know, outliers and stuff like that. Like yeah. you guys. People that truly love music probably are listening to it more because they have more time. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. true for sure. All right. All right. Makes sense. So, okay. So how do you feel about the response to your album Pride and Disaster? Uh, I, I'm We're very grateful to it i think our fans welcomed it with open arms and like really took it in and like i mean critical reception was great all the reviews we got from major publications were extremely positive um and i'm just so grateful that people love it as much as we do um it 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 sold really well i think we peaked at number nine on the heat seekers chart wow even getting the top 10 is like pretty sweet for a small band like us you know we're doing all right but we're by no means a big band so it was pretty uh inspiring to see um you know some serious like some quality billboard charting um and you know i think it's really positive for the future um it also when we just we did just actually get to do half of our first headlining tour um before like we were in the middle of tour when corona shut everything down Mm -hmm. and it was our first headliner and kids knew those songs to the to the Pride and Disaster songs as well, if not better than the older songs Damn. that people have known for years. So we saw really big sing-alongs on these brand new songs, um, you know, less than six months old or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's been really great to have your new artistic output so well received. You know, I think that's all you can ask for as a musician is to people appreciate your new music as much as they appreciate your old music. Yeah. No musician wants to be the band that's like, I only like the first album. You know, you don't want to be that. Like, mm-hmm. that's not, you want to keep getting better. You want to strive to write the best songs you can as a band. Um, you don't want your old work to overshadow anything new. Yet. Yeah. So it's really great that people like Pride and Disaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how do you feel about the growth from LP1 to LP2? Um, I, I like it. I think so we've done lots of interviews about the record and so some of if, if forgive me if, if you if you know this or we've touched on it before i'm trying not to be super redundant but uh we had a hard time doing pride and disaster it was um rushed um it was uh stressful mm-hmm. we recorded the record in la and we're from chicago and we had up until that this record we had done all of our songs uh, at least in Chicago or around the like around the city's area, um, so we were completely isolated from all of our friends and our, you know, it was supposed to be isolated from distraction, but it was more uh, than that. It ended up being like uh, sort of a double-edged sword. It was like, okay, we're isolated from distraction, or we also felt marooned to a degree. Like we we didn't have any support system. And when things got stressful, we only had each other and we were already spending every single moment of every day with each other in a studio for 10 hours a day. Um, so it was hard. Like we, I, I am grateful the record sounds as good as it does and turned out as well, because I think we were pushed to the brink in that time. Uh, you know, we had a lot of like really difficult conversations. Um, we had just gotten off a full U.S. tour with Broadside and with Confidence that went extremely well. Um, but we had, we literally got off tour. It was Christmas time. And then we flew to LA. It was like there, we had no break in between the tour Christmas and then recording the album. And we had been busy before that too. We, before that we were, we did Warped, uh, you know, last year, 2018. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, yeah, we had, we played, some other shows in the middle of that and then did the tour. So we didn't have a ton of time to even write the record. The record kind of snuck up on us um, in, in the form of like, we were so preoccupied with Warped Tour mm. and then Warped Tour like, was such a huge undertaking in itself and pushed us to our limits again. We didn't end up writing as much mm-hmm. as we wanted to, at least writing the way we like to write, writing all in the same room. Yeah. Um, uh, and collaborating. So it ended up falling a lot on TJ and TJ ended up writing, um, a pretty significant chunk of the demos and doing a lot of that 
himself and it stressed him out and he went into the process already sort of wearing thin and we just wanted to help him but we were so busy with everything else that was going on that you know it we, we were just really stressed out so i think that <laughs> it, it was a very different process than the previous record mm-hmm. um because overexposed we had time and we had all of the we did it the way we wanted to we did pre-production a week before we even started recording and we got to jam the songs in the studio and have our producers sort of like give us advice on what to do we didn't really get to do that with this record which is something we all regret and we've talked about for our next record whenever that happens that we're going to make sure we do the pre-production and the writing like we did overexposed because while we love Prime Disaster and, and I'm so grateful how all the songs turned out, I think it was written the backwards way of how we wanted to do it. But for that, we're still grateful that it sounds great and that mm-hmm. people love the songs. Because I think it's still at its core, obviously, a great Sleep On It record. I think we just, we don't want to replicate the same level of stress on any individual member or or even the group as a whole. Because I think while it turned out all right, it, it almost broke up our band, like making the record. Like yeah. it was that difficult. Um, you know, and obviously this is on record too. People know about this, but we kicked out our old bass player, like right after the record finished. Oh uh, yeah. AJ Cobb, who's now in makeout. Um, we, we parted ways with him like right after the record and that, and the record was part of that. That was part of the stress. Um, and it had that had to happen. Like it was, just, it was collateral damage from the, the making of the record. The record. The record. Um, so it was a stressful time. Like it, 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 it almost broke our band, but we got through it. And I think we had the best 2019 we could have possibly had. We went on killer tours, and you know we did this wildlife. We did like Pacific, and then Don Broco. Um, and then, yeah, we went into 2020 with our first headliner. So it was like, it, despite all of that turmoil that we went into recording Prime Disaster, I think we came out on the other side of it, a better band and a stronger band. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you guys got out of it in one piece. Yeah. yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know if that was like what exactly you were asking. I don't know if you were asking that from like a songwriting perspective or just like, it was... I kind of touched on it. I touched on everything, but yeah. I don't know. If Better answer that. than I was expecting, honestly. Yeah, I was expecting honestly. like a quick, like, yeah, it's been great. And then next question. So yeah. I'm really, I'm obscenely verbose when, I, when it comes to this stuff. Yeah. This is my whole life, So I talk. I if I ever talk too much, just let me know. <laughs> never too much. Never yeah, too never much. Never too much. So when you're not making music, uh, who do you listen to? Like what bands or artists do you usually listen to? Um. So I... I, li- I do truly listen to everything. Um, I do listen to a lot of pop punk because it's my whole like core of what I grew up listening to and it's what influenced me to make the music I do. But I, I love pop and rap and even some country from time to time. Um, and I, 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 I dabble all over the board. Um, but I, I, there are definitely like, I would still say that pop punk and emo and all alternative music probably takes up the biggest swath of it. Um, you know, some of my favorite bands are like Fall Boy and Yellow Card, um, Cartel, Mayday Parade. Like a lot, a lot, a lot of the stuff that you hear the influence in Sleep On It's music. To be really honest. Um, yeah, I saw I saw the Fall Out Boy flag, and I really wanted to comment on it because it's just I really appreciate it. I, I appreciate it too. <laughs> <laughs> I have a flag in the back. I mean, I well, a poster in the background. So, nice. Wait, what's yeah. your favorite album? What's your favorite album? Uh, Folly Do is my favorite. Correct. Taste. Ooh, taste. taste. Good. Correct. Good. Great. I, I wrote a whole article on Folly Do for Rock Sound that you can read if you oh, so choose. To. Really? That is yeah. so cool. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. It's my. It's my favorite. Uh. Rec- probably one of my favorite records of all time, and absolutely the most underrated Fall Boy record. Oh, but yeah. that's Honestly, yeah. yeah. But you could do a whole podcast episode with me talking about Fall Boy, so I don't want to get too yeah. off track with that. I would but, be yeah. eyes, eyes <laughs> I mean, I can talk about Fall Boy forever. So honestly, <laughs> you want to? I, I can talk so much about Fall Boy. Oh my god! 
Yeah, yeah me too. I'm right there with you. Um, so yeah, Fall Boy Forever. Summary, Fall Boy Forever. Yeah, and I mean, I listen to, you know, I, I dabble even in some EDM and stuff, like I, but it's usually stuff that uses real instruments like Grizz and Big Gigantic. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you know, I listen to lots of pop like Demi Lovato and Halsey and stuff like that. But then, you know, I'll also come back to bands like All Time Low, who I've loved since I was 15. Like, you know, it's it depends on the mood and what, and you know, I, I definitely am always listening to new stuff. Um, I like, I like heavy stuff too. It's not, it's not all like, I don't know. It, it's, I'm like, I'm like very particular with, with, with bands. Like I, <laughs> I have a hard time talking about music because I listen to so much of it. That it's never the same band every day. Uh-huh. You know, fall, I think fall boy is the only constant where it's like, I probably listen to them once a week because I listen to, I, I love their discography so much that I listen to it pretty much all the time, mm-hmm. but everything else, if there's an ebb and flow to it, you know, if I see an album turned 10 or even like, it's just an album anniversary, I'll often put that entire album on because it's the day that the album came out. Like I'll see something on Twitter. It's like, Oh, this album came out 12 years ago mm-hmm. and I'll put that whole album on and I haven't listened to it in a year, but I'm like, this album's fucking awesome. Yeah. So it's like, it depends on, you know, what I see or who I'm with too, the like different people around, I'll listen to different stuff. So I, it, it depends, you know, I could list a ton of artists off for you, but I, unless you give me something more specific, I, I, I listen to tons of music, so, so much music. Okay, wait, 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 all right, I'm gonna give you something specific. Okay, sure. Um, what top three bands have you listened to today? Today? Well, Today. I've listened to a lot of All Time Low because Zach and I do our own version. Like, not not a it's a well, I guess it's like a virtual podcast. Uh, we do a Twitch stream where we dissect a band's entire discography and then figure out like an ultimate top ten uh, between the two of us. Uh, cool. And we're doing All Time Low tomorrow, so I've been that's listening cool. to All Time Low. Um, that's why I mentioned them before because I I was listening to them earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, today All Time Low. I think I was listening to Dua Lipa when I made breakfast. Salad. <laughs> right. um, yeah. And uh, I mean, I don't know. I haven't been awake that long. We're, we're still, I know it's all, I know it's two, but I wake up at like 1130 now. I get that. Well, I get that. <laughs> so I, I think, I think I've only listened to Dua and I'll have loaded it. But yeah. Uh, That's fair. Some taste. So, okay, hold on. <laughs> Sorry, my computer's freaking yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, <laughs> we've touched on this a little bit, but like, <laughs> let's get more into it. So what sure. artists would you say are your biggest inspirations? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so with Sleep On It, there's certain albums that are really inspiring um, that are just like our sort of like blueprint for like bands that we love. But there's also artists that are like overarching, like, like Fall Out Boy. Like, I think... TJ, Zach, and I are all, like, so, like, influenced by their discography, especially their early discography, because it was such a huge part of growing up at that specific time. Like, I was, I think, 15 when, uh, not Take This Your Grave, but from the court tree came up, so I'm 31. So, um, I think from the court tree is, like, you know, it, it, be, it became like the album that influenced everything I did after it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's very similar for Zach and TJ because it was such a landmark album in our scene that like there's a little bit of Fall Boy in everything that I try and write, even when I'm not even thinking about it. Yeah. You know, it's like it's just part of like my musical DNA. It's something I say yeah. a lot. Um, you know, Taking Next Monday is another huge one where it's like, their their discography is so important in my formative playing years when I started learning how to play guitar that like part, elements of their music just sort of slips into your into your own without even trying mm-hmm. and I don't I'm not saying that like we rip them off or anything like that but like there's certain cadences and certain chord structures that like lend themselves you think of you know certain songs by these bands and then it, you end up using them they're like that kind of sounds like TBS but like it's ours though you know it's not <laughs> yeah we're not directly like ripping anything off yeah it's not like a straight um, copy yeah no because anytime because we've done that before we realize we're ripping a band off we're like all right we gotta we gotta fix this song it sounds 
way too much like a song we already know. Yeah. So we gotta yeah. make it bonkers. You know, musicians will do that all the time. Okay. It happens. You know, you're you're you get excited about something because it sounds good, and then you figure out the reason it sounds good is because it sounds exactly like some else. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> Oh my god! Like, oh, oh no, shit! Ah, oh, dang it! God, not again! Um, not again! No. Um, yeah. So TBS, and then I think a huge one for a couple of seasons for our band are the Dangerous Summer and Yellow Card. I oh, think yeah. those two bands really like, uh, especially when it comes to like me and TJ. I think have a huge influence on the way we play guitar. Um, I think you know Yellow Card when it comes to like riffs and and sort of like choruses and then when it comes to like lead guitar i think the dangerous summer is extremely influential to our band um, i think the way we write lead guitar parts has a lot to do with the dangerous summer um and it's cool because we get to call the dangerous summer friends of ours because they are and it's uh yeah they, we, they we even we were like we even just out of a little like like dude thank you for writing that record i don't think we would have written our record without your records so. oh my god yeah it's cute, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, War, War, yeah. Paint, War Paint and Reach for the Sun by The Dangerous Summer are two absolutely flawless Paul Levitt produced records. Um, and they, I think, have a huge influence on our band. Um, and they always will. Like, they're, again, it's part of like our musical DNA as a band. And we can't, like, we'll never, like, completely go away from it. Right. Makes sense. Yeah, I think I would say Yellow Card, Take a Mech Sunday. Ball boy, um, yeah, those those would be like our strong. I think our strongest influences. Right. There's a ton of other bands too. Like obviously, like there's sprinkles of all these other bands in there. But I think those four, you know, I think vocally, I think you know, uh, Go Radio and Mayday on Zach. Ooh, like Zach yeah. is like he cited them before in other interviews. Like like if if you know, a lesson romantics didn't exist, I don't know if Zach would be a singer. Mm -hmm. So. I think wow. that's like a pretty solid one there. Uh, wow. Um, so we don't have this question written down, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, is there an LP3 in the works? Hypothetically, yes. Okay. Um, but we, the problem is we haven't been able to see each other as much as we'd like to because of quarantine. Mm -hmm. um, and Zach and I have been writing on our like on our own uh oh. but we really need the whole band to do it the way we want to kind of like yeah. what i was saying before and i think tj's been dabbling in some stuff but i think we had been going so like hard and so like intensely for so long with the band i think we use quarantine as a as a, as a point to take like a pause and oh, I not get that. stress ourselves out because mm -hmm. Once you start actually saying like we're writing for LP3, mm -hmm. that's when the stress begins to build because uh, I'm sure, I don't know if you guys know this, but we're free agents now. So we are eligible to sign with a new record label, which is a whole nother barrel of fun that oh is, oh. we haven't even really got to yet. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those things where it's like, once you say we're writing for it, you know, you can write a song and it's a song, cool. But once you say you're writing for your new record, that puts that extra pressure on it. And I think that stress is not something we needed to compound upon ourselves with this quarantine. Okay. I think that's a little bit too much to uh, undertake right now. But we are writing because, you know, Zach and I live together. So um, we are always talking about music and we're always playing guitar. So sometimes we have little ideas and we, Zach and I have been using quarantine to like get a bunch of home recording equipment basically so that we can really effectively demo our ideas in our own house. So we don't have to leave the house to like get these ideas down. So Zach and I have been working with logic, um, which is a recording program. Um, and you know, we've been buying some different interfaces and I bought a little MIDI keyboard so that we can like tap out drums and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. MIDI drum. I don't know if you know what that is, but, um, it's basically just so you don't have to have a drummer there. Yeah. Um, yeah basically, a, a, an advanced drum machine. Is what it is. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we Zach and I have started demoing some ideas. Um, we actually wrote a song the other like two days ago that I actually really like. But I that's the most we have right now as mm -hmm. far as like new new material. Mm -hmm. um, and that song, obviously, when we went into Prime Disaster, we had like thirty ideas. Yeah. So the song we wrote yesterday may not even make the next record. But the yeah. point is. With, 
we are thinking about writing and we're trying to actually create new songs. So yeah. I guess yes, but also we're not making a concentrated group effort to write a new record yeah. because it's hard to write a record when you don't know when you're going to play a show again. Mm-hmm. So, I get that. You get a point. Yeah. So you're, um, you're writing, you're just not going to throw a label on it saying we're writing LP3 pretty much. Yeah. Okay. I think, I think we're, I think we want to write music, but we don't want to write music with the pressure of it. I get that. Under some sort of umbrella that means that it's going to go on this record. And this so, I get that. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. All right. Um, so we're going to go to your album overexposed for a second. You have a feature on there with Derek from state champs. How did that happen? Well, as I previously mentioned, he produced the record mm. um, and he produced lost along the way, the, the EP before overexposed as well um, on lost on the way. He said he wanted to do a feature, but when we listened to the five, the five songs, he didn't really fit on any of them. Oh. He was okay. like, no, this should be all you guys. I don't think my voice needs to be on this because Honestly, I don't hear a part that should be me. Mm. He's on there like a little bit. Like if you listen really closely on some of the harmonies, I think he did a few of them because he can sing so well because he's a beast. Um, (laughs) He's such a good singer. Um, And there's like a high harmony on Let Me Go that I I, I know is Derek. I'm pretty sure. Um, But um, but yeah, he was like, you know, let's do the full length, you know, Mm. when you guys are ready and I'll do a feature on the on the full length. Um, and we did, you know, pre-production with Derek, and he was there, I think, on two weeks of the record. We, I think we recorded for five weeks, four or five weeks um, for Overexpose. And we were recording Fireworks. Um, and the funny thing about Fireworks is that it, TJ wrote it when he was 19 years old with his old band, Goodnight City Lights. Um, and it, it never matched the rest of their song, but Zach heard Fireworks, and he loved it. And we'd oh I'd always liked it, but it was like not our song. But Zach was like, well, we could just cover it essentially. And TJ's the primary songwriter anyway, so it's not like we're steal we're not stealing it, and we're not really even covering it because it's the same songwriter. Yeah. Um. And then Derek heard the like bridge part in like the low the low octave um, chorus part in Fireworks. He was like, dude, I would love to do that part. Um. And yeah, it was that that's basically how it happened. It did take an additional five months past when we finished the rec- recording the record to get him on the part because he had already left the studio uh-huh. mm-hmm. um, by the time we because re- we, we we I don't know how much you guys know about recording, but, you know, there is like a weird time because you're like you have to stay on a schedule. It's like you have to get, you know, this half half of a song done this day half of the song and then maybe mm-hmm. switch songs so you don't get burnt out on the same song. Yeah. And you have to sort of time it right or otherwise you're going to not have enough time to record your whole record. That's why albums go over budget, time is extended and, you know, things go wrong in the studio because you take too long on one song, you start you you dwell on it, you want to change too much mm-hmm. and uh, then you go over budget with your record which is very bad because record labels don't have as much money as they used to. Um so it t- Derek had already left when we got to fireworks, basically. Derek mm-hmm. had said he wanted to do it, but by the time we got to fireworks on the record, um, or we got to the vocal part of it at least, I think he had already left to go back to Albany or go on tour or something like that. I'm not sure. Um, so we had he had to record the part at a different studio. Um, wow. But, it, yeah, Derek's vocal for fireworks was the last thing that got on the album. I think he put the we, – we got his vocal, and then we mastered it like – five days later Damn. or something like that. Okay. So the whole record was like waiting for me to get that up. But we're very grateful he did. Obviously that the song is one of our biggest songs. So it's it's awesome that he got to be a part of it. And then he flew in for the music video too, which is really cool. cool so that's awesome. Cool. Oh my God. You love to see it. Yeah. Yeah. That song is actually like how I found you guys. And yeah, yeah I've been listening to you guys like ever since that. So that's cool. kind of cool. But, yeah. Yeah, it, right. yeah, Derek's the man. Um, yeah, he's still a friend. You know, he stayed at my house a few times. He's a great dude. Um, yeah, so we, we want to work with him again, but we I think with um, the Pride and Disaster, it was like it didn't like line like everything didn't line up. We had already we were working with two different producers on Pride and Disaster, and we we're all the way in LA. And I think he was on tour or, or like he was busy. But maybe for the next record or something else in the future, we work with Derek. Again. 
Okay. Okay. So I know you guys got to finish most of your 2020 U.S. tour. Can you tell mm -hmm. us anything about like running your first like front? Tour. Headliner, yeah. Yes. Headliner, headliner. Ooh, that's yeah. the word. There you go. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Sorry, I blanked. Yeah. Front tour. Front tour. Yeah. Front you, tour. Know, you know what I meant. I so words all the time. I can't always articulate things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was great. Like, um, it exceeded our expectations. Um, like we didn't know what to expect. You know, this we we had done a co-headliner in the summer with Like Pacific, and that went really well. So we were optimistic, but it was still our name that was, you know, carrying the whole tour. So we're like, yeah, we really hope people go. <laughs> like, you know, like, <laughs> that we sell tickets to this. And, you know, I, you know, I think before the tour even started, we had like four or five sold out shows. Mm -hmm. So oh, we're wow. really grateful that we had, you know, our fans were that dedicated to pre-sale all those, all those tickets and, you know, it was, you know, a late winter tour, too. We weren't, like, we weren't even really in spring yet, so we were, like, also worried about that, like, weather and stuff like that. Um, you know, and we, we played our first show in Toronto, um, and that show was a ripper, you know? It wasn't sold out, but I think it was really, really close. Um, and it was really great kickoff to the tour. We, we, you know, I'm sad that we didn't get to play our Chicago dates or the L.A. date at Chain Reaction, and that was, that was really close to selling out. I think it definitely would have the day of, mm -hmm. um, but you know we got to do New York and Boston and uh, Philly. Those were all sold out and absolutely insane shows. Like mm -hmm. some of the loudest sing-alongs we've ever seen as a band um, for every song. Well, you know that's Damn. that's uh, a feeling you can't understate how cool it is to hear uh, words that you wrote and songs that you wrote scream back at you with every single person in the audience doing that there's there's no cooler feeling than that so Did you I, I oh. we just can't wait to get back to it we we were planning a pride and disaster tour part two when we were on tour to be to happen right now right uh -huh. like in june uh -huh. and you know we were going to do b markets and some of the a markets that we missed on the first run and, you know, Corona obviously canceled all that. So that's a huge bummer we don't get to do it. And we didn't even get to finish the tour in the first place. But yeah. it is what it is. It's a global pandemic. There's nothing you can do about it. Um, but, yeah, it, the tour went great. The 10 shows we played were some of my favorite shows we've ever played. Um, oh. Typically the Boston one. I think the Boston one was one of the coolest shows I've ever played. It was insane. Uh, yeah, speaking of, like, it sold out. I wanted to go to the Jersey show, and then it sold out right before I tried to get tickets. Cause like they released more tickets, but I wanted to get my chem tickets as well. And Which my, is yeah. And my coworker was like, "Let's hold <laughs> off," and then it sold out. I'm like, "Shit!" <laughs> so yeah, no, uh, yeah. I think next time we play Jersey, we'll play a bigger venue because mm -hmm. that show sold out like a month in advance, like yeah, three weeks wow. in advance. So it's a small room. The little the Asbury Park Brewery. I think it's like 150 cap. Mm -hmm. So it's like. You don't even need to sell that many tickets for it to sell out. So I think we'll definitely move to a bigger room next right, time around, cool. whenever that is. Yeah, whenever that is. All right, cool. <laughs> but yeah, thanks for trying to get tickets. I appreciate yeah, it. Was, there was an attempt. It's the thought that counts. Yeah, you know, the, the thought that counts. I will catch you guys, though, when this is over and you guys come yeah, back. Yeah, so. it's going to be great. Yeah. When, when live music can really fully come back, it's going to be the best month. Oh, hell yeah. So oh, my God. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the Pride Disaster tour was incredible. It was the first time we did um, VIP too, which was like a really unique thing, which we a new experience for us. We never knew what to expect there either. We were also really overwhelmed with the response with VIP. I think a lot of people we we, we sold out of our VIP packages in a lot of cities, and that was really uh, inspiring to see too that people you know cared enough about our band to like you know have a vip experience you know it's like we, we we tried to make it as cool as possible because we i did my due diligence and our we and tj too we researched before the tour before we even announced that we we're going to do vip what if people what do fans want out of a vip experience mm -hmm. what's a reasonable price do should the ticket be included what are some of the perks of a vip experience that make fans feel like they're getting their money's worth and feel like they're close to the band and they can have the experience they want to so we made sure that before we even offered the packages that we had really thought out what we wanted to do. Um, and I think it was really what we're 
received. I think our fans had a blast, at least all the ones that we talked to were like just really grateful that they got to have that experience and enjoy that time. Um, and yeah, it went, they went super smoothly. I will admit the first day was a little rough because we'd never <laughs> done one before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We didn't know how to like, control the like 40 kids or whatever that were like inside the venue. Uh-huh. We're like, all right, everyone gather around like, like a kumbaya, kumbaya circle. <laughs> yeah. Listen to us play guitar on these stools. You know, it's, it's a little weird. It's a little awkward when you've never done that before. Yeah. But by like three or four shows, we got the hang of it. We're like, okay, we can do this. Like, it's all right. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Well, we just weren't used to it. You know, you yeah. play some acoustic shows and acoustic shows are always a little awkward, but when you have to play an acoustic show every day and then play an electric show, you yeah. know, a couple hours later, it's like a weird, you have to get into the yeah. rhythm of it. It's like a that. different thing. Yeah. Yeah. Understandable. Yeah. yeah. So what, what would you say was your favorite me- memory, like from that tour? Um, Boston, because uh i'm from the east coast originally uh i'm from new hampshire i was born in new hampshire raised in maine whatever however you want to do it um and my parents came to the boston show so my mom and dad get to see uh how the band like how our fan base has grown uh particularly in in new england and Mm -hmm. just in general and they sat in on the vip session and stuff and i think it was just really cool for me to have my parents there because they hadn't seen uh, we play, I think, in three years. Oh. Wow. So um, it was like a really like full circle moment for me. Because mm-hmm. my parents, uh, bless them, they've been by my side being with my dream of being a musician since I was 13. I picked up a bass at 13. And they were like, do, you know, we support you, whatever you want to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, they've seen me fail a lot. You know, like it's music, <laughs> you know, I'm, yeah. in, I'm in a band that's doing something now, but it wasn't always that way. You know, I got kicked out of a band once. I've had a couple bands fail. Mm-hmm. It's not always, uh, you know, happy times, you know. So yeah. you know, and despite that, they've supported me through that enti- my entire career, you know. And I think it was very, like, affirming for them that their support was was in the right place, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it, I could finally show them everything I've been working towards for so long. So personally, it was like a huge moment for me. Um, but it was also just a killer fucking show. Like I, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it was sold out. There was like, I, I, the room might've been over capacity. There was like 400 kids in there Damn. and they knew every word of all of our songs. And it was amazing. It was so cool. Wow. Shit. So yeah, the Boston, so- the Boston show blew my mind. Like, and you can ask any member of the band, and they'll say the same thing. It was amazing. Yeah. The best time. All right. so. That's so wholesome. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. That yeah, is. that was good. I liked that. Um, so continuing right on the train of live shows, uh, do you have any pre-show rituals? Yeah, I do. Um, so, I mean, obviously, uh, I do sing some. I'm not, obviously, Zach, but I we, we do vocal warm-ups before mm-hmm. um, every show generally 40 minutes before we play. Uh, it's the Melissa, Melissa Cross. I don't know if people remember she's a vocal teacher. She teaches like everybody. She's like one of the, the foremost in like alternative music because she does vocal coaching for screamers too, not mm-hmm. just like singing voices. Mm-hmm. So she, every time I die and stuff like that, like yeah. she, lots of metal, metal core and metal and stuff like that. So she's, she's fantastic. Um, so we have like her pre-recorded vocal warmth on her phone. So we always, um do that in the van we kind of like shoot the shit through me tj and zach shoot the shit right before show sort of get get ourselves you know loose before maybe tell a joke or two Mm -hmm. um uh and you know depending on the show you know shot of jameson is not uncommon um yeah yeah, it's kind of a sleep on a tradition for sure um just to kind of get the 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 jitter out you know Mm -hmm. i'm not uh, I learned er- in the early days that you cannot get hammered and play music. It is not good for you. Or the yeah. So, um, but a sh- one shot is fine and, and actually mm-hmm. pretty nice. Um, so, yeah, I, I try to keep the drink, especially on tour, I try to keep the drinking until after we've played. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, I, I'm a bartender at home, so I'm, I'm drinking culture is very much part of me. But uh, my first and foremost like responsibilities to put on a good show yeah. um, and you can't do that if you're drunk so mm-hmm. um while i do enjoy a shot of jameson before the show i also that's probably probably all i'm gonna have. um so that's definitely a tradition by the band jameson shots are very common 
um, you know, stretch it out, you know, do, you know, we all stretch, you know, stretch right before we play, make sure that we don't pull a damn muscle because we're all getting older. <laughs> um, yeah, and I don't think we have anything like super uh, kitschy or anything yeah. super weird. All right. All right. It's just the standard. Come on, yeah. Jameson, stretch yeah. it out. All right. Get each other pumped up, but nothing, nothing uh, super uh, superstitious or anything like that. Okay. All right. All right. All right. That's fair. So what would you say your top three songs? Oh, sorry. Oh, no, wait. Can you say that again? I said before every show, we burn a pair of gym socks. And then the <laughs> arise like a... Oh, my God. So what would you say your top three songs to perform live are? Top three. Um, top three. I would definitely say See You Around. Um, mm-hmm. The crowd reaction is so good. Every single time, no matter how we played it, almost not almost every show we've ever played, we played that song, and it is just a delight every time. <laughs> People love it. People are so invested in that song, and you know it's it's obviously one of our most popular songs, but it's it never it never gets old. Seeing the crowd reaction to that song, um, so I love seeing people jump up and down and just sing really really loud. Um, other crowd reactions. Um, it Babe Ruth was really fun on the last tour. Seeing people react to that, sing the first uh, like chorus, like the first like vocals of the song, that was really awesome. Um, I think "Let Me Go" is always really fun live. The song of uh, "Lost on the Way." Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I I I love all the songs. So I, that's a hard question for me. It's like I, I love playing pretty much all of them. So. Um, there's only a few songs I don't like, and that's only just because they're old. Like I, old, some of the old songs, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of. But okay. uh, pretty much all of our songs, I I, I love playing live because it's because uh, it's not always the same. Depends on the city, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Certain cities react to different songs. Yeah. It's like it depends on who's in that room. Do they know the old stuff? Do they know the new stuff? If you have a group of kids that all went together and they all know the new record, they don't know the old record. Sometimes you'll get a stronger reaction to a brand new song than you'll get to an older song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that. It, it, it really does depend on the city, like the day of the week. Sometimes, <laughs> like, <it's really laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, lots of variables. Yeah, well, we, I always, I always use this example. I've probably said in an interview before, but we played Albuquerque, New Mexico, on like a Monday night, oh. <laughs> and it was just like chill. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they were in Friday mode. You know, yeah. um, so but like that's that's neither here nor there. But yeah, I think Babe Ruth. Um, let me go, uh, see you around. Probably, probably some of my top. I, I like playing the. This is just for me because the crowd rea- the crowd doesn't know it as well as some other songs. But overexposed, the title track from overexposed, is uh, absolutely one of my favorite songs in the live. It is so fun every time for me. <laughs> solid. Yeah, solid. I know. Yeah. So, what would you say your dream venue, like ever, to play in would be? Hmm. Great question. Um, I would love that our band could somehow be big enough to play the Chicago Theater. I don't know if that's conceivable because the only rock band that I know that has played the Chicago Theater that's in our scene is Fall Boy. So we would have to get that big probably. (laughs) Go for it. But I I mean, that would be amazing. Um, It is such a gorgeous venue and it's like the, it is like the iconic venue in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Um, I would just, hey, that would be like a life goal, you know, like how, how do I get, how do I somehow manage to do that? Yeah. Um, even if we open, we don't need a headline. The Chicago oh, yeah. Yeah, in, yeah, the yeah. in the building would be fine. Playing in the building. Yeah. Um, we'll just jump on stage in the middle exactly. of someone's set. <laughs> on stage, yeah. yeah. On the stage. It's easy. Counts. It's fine. It counts. It counts. Yeah. Um, exactly. Well, that one's a huge one for me. Um, I would love to play, um, some of them I've already played. Like I played, oh, wow. we, we played the Troubadour in Los Angeles, which I've always wanted to play. Um, you know, I think trying to think of some of the bigger ones that I've like always wanted to play. Um, bigger venues. I'm not. I'm blanking right now. I'm trying to think. I know because I know Chicago venues so well, but there there's ones I've heard of that I've always wanted to play that are across the country. But I'm blanking on some of their names right now. 
but yeah, I mean, I would say Chicago Theater would be like my my penultimate one. Okay. Uh, I, the the O2 Arena in London would be oh, amazing. Yeah. Okay. I, I've heard yeah, yeah. so much cool shit about that place, and that it, you know, I mean, obviously it's massive, it's huge, it's like ten thousand yeah. people. But you know, if I ever got to play a place like that, that'd be amazing. Because uh, yeah, I think a lot of my bucket list venues, at least on the smaller scale, you know, I. Chain Reaction, when I grew up, was like one that I wanted to play so bad because um, there was all these live videos from there that I'd watch as a kid on YouTube. Uh, and then we got to play it, and it was amazing. So, wow. you know, a lot of the cool ones I've actually gotten to check off the list, which is great. Oh, congrats. That's, awesome. yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. We'll add this one. I would love to play. So, I'm, like I said, I'm from New Hampshire in Maine. I'd love to play the State Theater in Maine. Uh, purely for s- sentimental reasons, I suppose, because that's where I grew up in the music scene. Uh-huh. The, the music, the, my first music scene was the Portland, Maine music scene. Uh-huh. So um, I went, I, my first show I ever went to was at the State Theater in Portland, Maine. Uh-huh. So I think uh, that'd be like a very like cool full circle moment for me as a musician. If I the first music show I ever saw and I could play that many, that'd be cool. Oh, yeah. yeah, that'd be so cool. Yeah. Bro, after quarantine... Yeah. Maybe. Look at it, right? Anything is possible when quarantine's over. Exactly. Um so where do you see the band in the next five years? Touring, I hope. (laughs) (laughs) I I hope so. Pandemic willing, like please can we go back on the road? Because I am going nuts without live music in my life. Um you know, I, I next five years, I hope we write at least two more records. You know, I hope Ooh, we're putting yeah. out a record every two years. You know, I oh, yeah. I want to see artistic growth from our band. I, I know we have it in us, and I I want to see you know success and you know gain you know a normal rise to uh, you know a bigger fan base. You know, I'd like to start playing bigger rooms and you know really get out there. You know, I I'd, I'd like to see us get you know on a on a new label. Um, and you know, hopefully that can take us in a different direction. You know, the sky's the limit. I, I don't know what to expect anymore because we had a plan and then the plan kind of got cut, you know, by Corona. So it's like whenever things do resume, you know, we'll have we'll have to approach things differently because this our record cycle kind of got interrupted, right? Like, you know, a band a record cycle cycle will typically last a year and a half to two years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Corona is you know, under control and we're able to tour, Pride Disaster's record cycle might be over. You know, it might be like on its last legs, you know, even though people didn't get to see it as much as we would like them to, mm-hmm. it'll be an older record at that point. You know, it'll be out in a year and a half to two years and people will want something new from yeah. us probably. Yeah. So it's going to put us in a weird position. You know, it's like we're not, we wouldn't really be touring on our new record anymore. It's mm-hmm. not new. Um, so, you know, whether that means we write like an EP or we're doing, you know, a whole new record, it depends on a lot of factors. I don't know. I don't know what's in the cards right now. Like I said, the music industry is kind of on pause. No one's making any moves right now. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're a major artist, like big, like major label artist. Um, and, you know, we're trying to do the best we can to, you know, stay in the forefront um, and be active. You know, we're doing the Twitch streams and, the stay at home single and we actually recorded some other stuff that may come out in the near future. Um, but I'm not going to talk about that because I can't. <laughs> Damn. Dang. Coach. Um, it exists though. It's there. It um, okay. okay. All right. All right. It, it does exist. Um, kind of like Bigfoot. Um, oh my God. Oh my God. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm to be honest, I don't know, but I hope, we get to make you know at least two more records in the next five years, and I hope we get to tour a lot. I, I, yeah. I want, you know, our band truly loves playing in front of our fans and being close to our fans, and that's all I want to do. And I just want to mm-hmm. keep growing as a band, and you know, take over the world. Like, why not? Like, what, yeah, what, why not? Let, let, let's do it as big as we can. You know, time is time is limited. You know, I won't be. I'm. Won't be this young forever, so let's let's go. Let's absolutely go, as Zach Pooser would say. Hell yeah. Um, wow. All right. I respect it. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, for the last couple of questions, we're actually going to switch away from music and go straight to death row. 
Boom. Uh, so, thank you, Shane. Yeah. So, if you're on death row, what would your last meal be with a drink? That's a great question. Um, thank you. Um, thank you. I would have a very tall glass of Jameson 18-year, probably. All right. <laughs> All right. bottle of Irish whiskey. I think it retails for $150 a bottle. Holy Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's not cheap. <laughs> it, is it is quite good, though. All right. Um, all right. I've only had it once because it's so damn expensive. But if I was going to mm -hmm. die, like, yeah, give me a whole not? bottle. Yeah. I would get that one. Yeah, get the drink, the bottle. Um, and for food, man, that is a hard question because uh, for we didn't even touch on this, but me and Zach do a cooking show. With <gasps> yeah. yeah. That is so oh my cool. God. Every Saturday we do a cooking show. It's called Bro. Cooking from J to Z. It's on Twitch. It's on our Sleep on Twitch channel. Um, and my mom is a chef, and so is my sister. So food mm -hmm. is like a very big thing for me. Um, I think I would probably have something like chicken parmesan or something. Probably, Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, like a like a southern mac and cheese or something like that like a, uh something extremely rich and like terrible for you yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that i love that i can't eat all the time you know yeah. like i love mac and cheese but i can't eat it every day like you can't you cannot it's so bad for you uh so uh yeah something really rich and delicious like that you know probably like a really nice seafood uh sushi dinner or something like that i'd probably have super super nice sushi because that's like that's like my favorite treat myself meal is like spending $90 on sushi. <laughs> That's rare too. I don't do that all the time. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't have any money. <laughs> I get that. Me too. You know, like when my tax, tax return hits, you know, it's sushi time, you know? Exactly. Yeah. It's sushi time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Yeah. So that, that would be my answer. Probably a very large glass of 18 year Jameson and, uh, you know, maybe some really nice sushi or chicken parmesan. Solid. Yeah. So, okay. So if you could live in one fictional world for a week, where oh. would you live? Oh my God. Um, oh, this is hard. Cause fictional worlds are my whole life. I love fictional worlds. Um, oh, I'm such a nerd. Oh man. I love, I love all the fantasy sci-fi stuff. So you're, this is a very loaded question for me. Um, It's like, do I pick Jurassic Park because the existence of dinosaurs are still possible, or do I go straight to Harry Potter? I don't know. Bro, Lord Harry Potter. <laughs> Actually, Lord of the Rings is a bad choice because that's a very terrible world to live in. Yeah. It is. I keep telling people that. You don't want to live in Middle Earth. It's a bad time. <laughs> exactly. Like, there's no... Everybody dies. Yeah. So it's like... like... Yeah, it's not good. Um... <laughs> Maybe if you're an elf and you live in just yeah, like maybe elf, that's it. But aren't they yeah. constantly like in war? No. Yeah. Well, yeah. All of Jared Tolkien's stories are about war. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes. exactly. But if you're like an war elf, and death just and really big orcs that like to kill people. Um, yeah. Yeah. So not Middle Earth, although that of course it popped into my brain. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I mean, I would probably pick you know Harry Potter probably like All right. the, that universe. Um, just because. Please call us your house. Uh, I am a Hufflepuff. <gasps> Hufflepuff gang, let's go, let's go. <laughs> Round of applause. Can't really. Okay. Can't okay, Ravenclaw. Whatever. No, I'm not even a Ravenclaw. Uh oh. <laughs> okay. L. Griffin. No. <laughs> Do you I are not a like Slytherin. A to you? Yeah. You don't seem like a Slytherin. Well, that's what the quiz told me. I don't know what to tell you. Wow. It tells me... It, it either tells me Ravenclaw or Slytherin, but mostly Slytherin, so... Anyways. <laughs> None of Slytherins are evil. It's fine. It's fine. Yes, that's true. exactly. That's true. I'm yeah. a great person. I can assure you guys. I'm so amazing. Wow. <laughs> Shut up, Brianne. <laughs> I haven't committed any crimes. I swear. Do you solemnly swear? Uh, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have the honor of asking the last question, and almost everyone we speak to says the most important question. Literally everybody. What is your favorite color? 
Thank you. Thank you. Yay! Somebody's laughing. Good. Good. Thank you. Um, I think uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a blue person. I, I just love the color blue. Uh, all the shades, honestly, I like. It's just such a pleasing color to me. It always has mm-hmm. been. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say blue is my final answer. Probably okay. like like a, like a, like a not not like a true navy blue or anything, like a, like a lighter shade of blue. Wait, wait, wait. Right. What's wait? What's your favorite color combination? That's different. I think my color my favorite color combination is black and red. I always. Oh have. yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Like black and red. Anything black and red. All right. Um, um, yeah, definitely my favorite color combo. But mm-hmm. I think blue is an over overall. Okay. Yeah. Um. So as I said, that's all the questions we have for you today. Is there anything you would like to plug? Plug. Um. Plug. Yeah. I mean, we got the the new stay at home, uh, video and song. You can find it on our YouTube channel. Uh, it's on Spotify, Apple Music, all that stuff. Um, we do uh, our our most recent single that's not a joke quarantine song is called Falling Further Faster, which we put out in February, which is a really great song. It was recorded um, for Pride Disaster, but it didn't fit on the record just right when we listened to it together. Mm-hmm. So we left mm-hmm. it off. And then we're like, How, what are we going to do with this song? And then we we're about to go on the Pride Disaster tour. Like, this would be perfect to put out right um, so I think that song is really great. Really proud of that song. It's great. Um, so yeah, listen to Falling Further Faster. Stay at home. Uh, watch Zach and I do dumb things on Twitch. We do the cooking <laughs> show on Saturdays. We do um, a we pick a band and, and pick apart their discography every Tuesday. Twitch sleep on it music. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Jake's on a plane. Um, and I'm an open book, so you can ask me stuff online if you're listening to this or whatever. You feel if you have a question for me, you feel free to tweet it at me. Um, I don't check it every second of every day, but I will. I answer most questions if people have them. Um, and yeah, yeah, Black Lives Matter. That's the other oh, one. Yeah. 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 We didn't. I, I didn't want to get too deep into that stuff because I have obviously a lot of opinions about that. But you know, like, don't get complacent. You know, people are already starting to slow down with that stuff, and I mm-hmm. think it's important to keep it in the forefront of everyone's minds and pay attention to what's going on around the country and don't let it become some sort of, don't let it turn into just another hashtag. Mm. Yeah. It's bigger than that. And it's always been bigger than that. And our country's finally waking up to it. And I think we need to kind of keep that momentum going. Because uh, real change is happening. Things are happening mm-hmm. that I didn't think would happen or you know, I think should have happened, but was never sure the right people would make it happen. So we're seeing the results, but we got to keep going. So I, you know, I'm, I don't fully understand what it means, but I also want to be an ally and I want to be using my platform as best I can to further that uh, movement because it's important. It really is. It, it is so, so important. Uh, Black Lives Matter, Black Trans Lives Matter. There's been a lot of discussion about uh, transgender because we're in, you know, you know in five months. So it's like that's, that, that matters a great amount too. Mm-hmm. I just think. Keep, keep, keep aware of the social issues. Don't become complacent. Don't become um, bored with it. Because it's, yeah. it's, easy, it's easy to be oversensitized with something and then try to forget like it didn't happen or, or ignore it. But don't let a patio season get in the way of you being on the right side of history. That's, mm-hmm. what That's my final tip. <laughs> there we go. Solid. <laughs> yeah. um, so thank you for sitting now with Jake. Uh, this has been Jake from Sleep On It and We're The Good Noise Podcast.